Before we get this episode started, I kind of wanted to do a little PSA about all the information in these podcasts as we head up to the uh, premiere of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, here at the Jurassic Park podcast, we do our best to try not to spoil um, some of the big information from this film. We kind of save a lot of it for their own segments where we warn you heavily about what's to come. And every now and then we'll reference the trailers. So consider any of the trailers that have been released as fair warning that we will be discussing those details. So I guess if you guys haven't seen all the trailers or are definitely staying away from those trailers... Maybe you don't want to listen. Um, we'd, of course, appreciate the download. Of course, we uh, strive to get as many downloads as possible to help get this show out to all the Jurassic fans. But we understand if you guys don't want to listen, if you are uh, you know, afraid to hear any little details from these trailers. We don't necessarily consider them spoilers since the uh, people who made these films are allowing this information out into the public. So I just kind of wanted to touch base with you all before we dive into some of the stuff from trailers. I mean, it's out there, so we will be discussing it here on the podcast. Um, hopefully you all are okay with that. And if you are, enjoy the show. Everyone remain And welcome to the 149th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have some news to cover regarding a charity slash contest that Chris Pratt is running to offer you the chance to walk with him at the red carpet event for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, a Fallen Kingdom VR prequel of sorts a Lego Fallen Kingdom choose-your-own-adventure-style video, and Colin Trevorrow providing some clarifications on details for Fallen Kingdom. After the news, our big segment this week is our monthly Jurassic Mailbag, with, of course, none other than Jennifer Tarek. As usual, it's either the best or worst segment on the podcast. I'm not sure I can be the judge of that, but maybe you guys can. But for this month... We didn't even have to ask anybody to send any stuff in. You did it all on your own, which is so awesome. But just in case you want to be part of the next mailbag, call our voicemail line at 732-825-7763. Email us audio files or questions at JurassicParkPod at gmail.com or head to our contact page at JurassicParkPodcast.com to fill out our contact form. Now, even though you haven't heard this month's episode yet, we are already collecting questions for next mailbag. 
And after that long segment, we'll dive quickly into the audio lab and hear from the brand new Jurassic Journals that have been debuting on social media and over on YouTube. It's really great insight into the behind the scenes of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so don't miss it. Also in the audio lab, we'll hear another skit from Saturday Night Live with Donald Glover, where they finally address a courtroom scene to justify the actions of Jurassic World. Will they be held accountable? Well, we'll find out a little bit later. And to round out the episode, we're going to be taking a spoilery look into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with a set visit from Rooster Teeth's Eric Vespi. He got to see a little bit behind the scenes and a little bit more. He describes a lot of the stuff he saw. We're going to dive into some of the spoilers there, so if you don't want to hear them, make sure to quit after the audio lab. As usual, we have a few plugs here before we get underway. Don't miss last week's bonus episode from Aaron Beyer and myself, where we reviewed a few toys from the new toy line. We took a look at the Carnotaurus, the Jeep Wrangler Net Rescue Vehicle. Uh, That one came with the Dimorphodon, and we also reviewed the Mercenary figure. So those reviews, of course, are on our podcast feed, but there is also an accompanying video over on YouTube, or at least there should be. Make sure to check it out. If it's not there, it will be up there soon. And stay tuned for this week's bonus episode, where you hear us go over even more of the toys from the toy line. Mattel was actually kind enough to send us a bunch of products to review for the podcast, and of course over on YouTube. So make sure to head to our YouTube to see what's happening over there. We've been producing a ton of content, whether it's unboxings, inbox looks, toy hunts, all kinds of stuff. We actually put up a video showcasing all of the items that Mattel sent us. We are so grateful that they sent us all these items, and we will be reviewing all of these pieces in full in the next coming weeks. But all right, we have a huge packed episode for you this week. It's going to be a long one, so why don't we get this one started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me, this pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head been right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Chris Pratt, who is hot off the heels of Avengers Infinity War this past few weeks, announced a special uh, benefit for the Special Olympics Washington via a CrowdRise campaign to win a trip to the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom premiere to walk the red carpet with Chris Pratt himself. So here's a little bit of information from the CrowdRise campaign. Join Chris in supporting the Special Olympics Washington and you could win, you and a friend, attend the premiere of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with Chris Pratt, go to the after party, meet and take selfies with Chris, get flown out to LA and put up in a hotel. Every $10 is a chance to win. So $50 equals five entries. So there you have it. That's a little bit of information uh, from this CrowdRise campaign. Chris Pratt is teaming up again with the Special Olympics Washington to raise funds. They want to help provide year-round sports training and athletic competition um, with some sort of Olympic-type sports for children and adults with intellectual disabilities, giving them continuing opportunities to develop physical fitness, demonstrate courage, experience joy, and participate in a sharing of gifts 
skills, and friendships with their families and other Special Olympics athletes, and of course the community. So while this is a contest to help you guys win a chance to walk the red carpet with Chris Pratt, it's also a great chance to help out for people in need. Now this contest does start, it actually started already on 5-1-2018, and it will end on 6-1-2018 at 11.59.59pm Pacific Standard Time. If you want more information on this contest slash charity campaign, head to our show notes for that chance to donate. A little while back in the news, we discussed the team up with Jurassic World, Universal Pictures, and the VR studio Felix and Paul Studios that they're going to produce a little bit of a miniseries, and it looks like it's a two-parter um, called Jurassic World Blue, which kind of follows Blue on a, a, you know her escapades while she's alone on Isla Nublar before the events of the um, big explosion that we see in Fallen Kingdom. So this was actually already released. You can find it on Oculus Go, Oculus Rift, and Samsung Gear VR. Now, I've watched a little bit of this, and it looks completely amazing. The VR, um, I'm not sure about that aspect, but the CGI or the graphics in this look incredible. Blue looks spot on, and it's this really cute scenario. I'll leave it to you guys to find it just in case you want. You don't want spoilers, but it's a great insight into how Blue has been kind of living on the island since the uh, uh, disaster at Jurassic World. So here's a little bit of information from Felix and Paul Studios. Jurassic World Blue invites viewers to immerse themselves in what it would feel like to be in close proximity with this stunning creature, with a mixture of striking beauty and awe that accompanies this unique VR experience. And here's a little bit more from the Variety article. Jurassic World Blue combines live action and computer-generated imagery in 360 3D, and each of the two episodes was filmed in just one take using the studio's proprietary VR camera. Visual effects were provided by Industrial Light and Magic, and the sound design and mixing was done by Headspace Studio. So I would highly suggest you check out this article and also look online, find that uh, VR experience. It looks amazing. Give it a shot yourself and let us know what you think. Over on YouTube, LEGO has actually been producing some really awesome content when it comes to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. They produced a little Choose Your Adventure mini-series where you can go on YouTube, watch the first video, and then have the option to choose from uh, one or the other uh, different videos where you can go either in that direction or this direction, choose your own adventure, create this awesome story. It's very fun. I'd highly suggest running through it once, trying it again, and doing uh, different options each time. There's so much to look at some really great content it is actually very beautiful um, very striking visuals i feel like for lego it looks amazing so this is called rescue blue lego jurassic world choose your own adventure we have the video in our show notes so where you can start there and then choose your options after that it's very awesome it's all about uh blue and uh, being saved by owen it's very awesome i'd highly suggest checking it out in our show notes Jurassic fans have kind of been up in arms recently. After viewing the trailer and reading the synopsis for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, there's always been a little bit of information in there bugging people about this. Um, in one of the trailers or behind-the-scenes things, it released uh, a, a shot of Main Street, and you don't see one of the towers destroyed as it was in Jurassic World, so fans have been clamoring about that issue. There's also been the issue of the discrepancy in the dates, how, uh, you know, it seems like this movie is four years instead of three years like the other ones have been. 
And then lastly, there is a little bit of CGI issuing in one of the recent TV spots. So Colin Trevorrow has hit the web to kind of dispel a lot of these rumors and information. So starting over here, he actually responded to Chris Pugh and a few others about the issue with the different dates. And here's what he had to say. It's three years. Fans pointed out a discrepancy in some press materials. I had it fixed. Always listening. License plate registrations are often one year ahead. So yes, that one was about the information in the synopsis that listed that it's been four years since Jurassic World. And um, so now the confusion is out there uh, and it's all solved now that it is three years. They fixed that all up. Um, and the license plate issue is that there, there was some license plates in the movie or in the trailers that say 2019 on them. But he's just saying that, look, they're, they're often ahead uh, by one year. The other one here was about the tower. Uh, Kerr Robinson mentioned that uh, the tower was present in both in the, in the uh, trailer there. And Colin responded, Fixed. You won't see the second tower in the film. And yeah, that's kind of a big deal because that tower was destroyed in that battle with the T-Rex and the Indominus. So that is great to see that clarified there. Next up, it was one of the TV spots that actually threw people into a fit where uh, the shot of the T-Rex's eye was obviously CGI'd over. It actually did look very bad compared to the initial one that actually had the animatronic there with a great looking eye as Chris Pratt stood next to it. So here's what he had to say about that. The original animatronic eye is the one in the film. So there you go. I mean, he he's out there solving all these issues one at a time, and that animatronic eye is there. We don't have to worry about it. It is very weird that it is in this trailer. I don't know why it's there. It actually looks very obvious. Out of all these sequences in that trailer, this is the one that just looks really bad. So it's really good that they're actually fixing that up, and it's not what's going to be in the movie. If you want to find all these tweets, head to the link in our show notes. Oh, there it is. There it is. Jurassic Mailbag. 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 Jurassic Mailbag never fails. It makes me wag my dino tails. And Brad and Jen, your Jurassic Mail. It's Jurassic Mailbag with Brad Jost and Jennifer Tarek. Welcome back to the May edition of the Jurassic Mailbag. Of course, I'm joined, as always, by Jennifer Tarek. How you doing, Jen? Hi. Guess what, Brad? What? It's May! (laughs) (laughs) Which means one thing, that next month is the big mailbag month, right? I mean, or would it be the the next one after that? That might be a big one, too. It's hard to say. What's the biggest one? Well, next month will be the last time we're all together yeah. collectively as the before yeah. people. Like get all your questions you know, in before the, uh, the movie hits and stuff like that. We can answer them. And then after, I think it might be bigger even after in July, it might be pretty crazy of a mailbag. I mean, if any of us survived that, this, that month, next month here, then – it might not be a big mailbag. Like there might only be three people that actually survives. Yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a good feeling that the, just like the, and half the world is just gonna disappear. You know, it might be me. You might yeah. not have me here anymore. I might only have one more mailbag of my life. 
I might just mount to a puddle and never I, recover. I always have that fear that like I'm not going to make it to the next big movie. Like I'm just going to pass out and die somewhere or not wake up one night or you know in the morning i'm just like i'm just not there anymore i'm gone and i don't get to see jurassic world fallen kingdom but let's hope let's keep my fingers crossed i'll make it to to solo and then i'll make it to fallen kingdom and and i already saw avengers so i'm good so i'm good for this year at least i mean that's a legitimate fear i understand that fear uh yeah i mean I mean, maybe Jurassic movies aren't going to be made forever, but I keep thinking about Star Wars, that they're just going to go on forever and ever and ever and never stop, and I'm not going to see them all, which makes me real sad. That just gave me, like, anxiety. You know, I, I know. don't care for Star Wars that much, but I know other people, how that much that would mean to them. So I just, like, got anxiety thinking yeah. about that. Like, if they made Jurassic World, you know, continually for the rest of our lives, every three years, four years, whatever – that would be that would, and then like you died and then keep making them and then you never know what happened. How does it it's end? Horrible. I don't know. That's awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm really bumming us out here in May. <laughs> <laughs> but like what if they make a Jurassic in I don't know 2060 or we still be alive in 2060? Yeah. It's like the know. yeah, it's the the third or second reboot whatever you want to call it. It's just New characters, but there's that little thread. They're, they're going to bring Brat back Bryce and Chris, and they're going to be like 80 years old, <laughs> you know? Oh. So. I mean, they did it with Star Wars. They brought all those those original folks. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe the, the ha- some dumb person will make another theme park with dinosaurs and be like, this is a good idea. Let's do this again. <laughs> we just got to make it there, though. We just got to make it to see it and stay alive yeah. and make sure we see it. That's yeah. all. Well, for now, we have Fallen Kingdom to look forward to. And um, if you guys want to get in your uh, mailbag questions for next month, um, you can email uh, any kind of questions and uh, whatever you want. You can actually send us MP3s there as well or you know, record it on your phone and send it in. Uh, email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. You can uh, call our voicemail line and leave us a message. There's nobody's going to answer the phone there. It's just me doing a little message thing, and then you you leave it after the beep. You know how that works. Uh, 732-825-7763. And then also on our website, there is a contact form you can fill out and kind of write us an email there. So you got a lot of options. Send them in for the next month before Fallen Kingdom hits. It's going to be crazy. Um, but first, let's start off here with an email from Jonathan. All right. I'm going to have to do some reading here, so let's uh, take a deep breath. All right. You could do it. You got this. I got it. So I've been looking at the Jurassic movies over the past few weeks and studying them in a way. One thing I noticed that there are a lot of similarities between The Lost World and Fallen Kingdom. Now, we all know there's going to have a similar – it's going to have a similar theme, but scenes from The Lost World you can expect to see in Fall. See, this is where – this oh, no. is what happens. Because this is not my fault. Everybody that writes in has to fix the grammar. Because, like, it's I'm sorry, everybody. Jonathan, I love you, but man. <sighs> man. You started the sentence with butt scenes from the lost world. Uh, so I don't know where to go from there. So... <laughs> He didn't either, apparently. <laughs> um, but scenes from the Lost World you can expect to see in Fallen Kingdom. End of sentence. Uh, for example, in the Lost World, when Malcolm is talking with Hammond in Hammond's mansion in the beginning of the film, Hammond's mansion looks identical to the mansion that we have seen so far in Fallen Kingdom. So I wonder, is there any connection there or something? 
Also, when watching The Lost World, they are on Isla Sorna, and in Jurassic Park 3, they're on Sorna. But in The Lost World, there is no Spinosaurus, but four years later, there's a Spinosaurus, so where did it come from? Any theories out there about that? Um, another thing I've been thinking is that what if NBC, who is uh, owned by Universal, was created uh, – was to create a show about pre-Jurassic Park, like before the islands and the events of the first Jurassic Park, all leading up to that first movie. I think it would be pretty cool um, because in, there's, in the book, there's a lot of pre-island stuff that goes on. They could make a good two- to three-season show out of it. One last thing I have to say is I hope Fallen Kingdom – the volcano doesn't destroy the island completely because that island is a major part of this franchise. That island is so amazing to me. Seeing it blown up by a volcano would be terrible, like it's seeing a main character die. Uh, that island and Isla Sorna are Jurassic Park, and losing them would be horrible. Um, I know this. I know this is a lot. Whatever you can fit into the mailbag would be greatly appreciated, and I love listening to the episodes. Keep it up. So there. Thank you, Jonathan, for that email. There was actually a lot of good stuff in there once I once I figured it all out. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of thoughts happening. He was having a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Good so thoughts. Uh, let's start here with the mansion um, having similarities to Hammond's mansion, which, I mean, it's a fair point. I, I think that they, they have similarities there. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, they're business partners. You know, is there some sort of aesthetic style that they both love? I don't know. What do you think, Jen? Well, um, I think of all the times that I've seen The Lost World, which is just one, from <laughs> what I can remember from that one viewing, yeah, I think the mansion's similar, but um, I guess I think that's more like a, a just a throwback to remind us, to put us in that Hammondy feel. Yeah. I think that's all it is, and to, to really connect the two, um, and, and even if people, like, don't really latch on to, oh, that's a business partner or whatever. They'll still get the Hammondy feel to it. And I think that's the purpose of that. Very good point. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're going for. They're, they're just kind of trying to, you know, compare the two people and, and make it seem like the same vibe. Um, yeah. And then for Sorna, we have, you know, differences between Jurassic Park 3 and The Lost World. What do you what's your take on that? Um, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, this I I hear a lot about this thing with with the spinosaurus not being on Sorna, but then how did it get there and what what's happening? I don't really know if I have a, an answer to that. Maybe it was like made somewhere and then it was like tiny and then <laughs> so bad. Then they like left after a lost world and then it like just grew and made its own little house. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I think that's probably probably exactly what happened. What? No. <laughs> Is it? I, I'm trying to remember because I'm not fully versed in all the DPG stuff yet. You know, since it's all basically new information, um, there, there I believe there's some information there about the Spinosaurus, and, and they try to decipher stuff like that. Um, I don't know how detailed it is about it, but um, you know, for instance, I, I just know that Sorna is such a big place. And if people have made their own maps of where things took place and all that, and it's very plausible that since it's so big that you're basically on two different ends of the island. And that's why you have jungle in one section, then you have the redwood look in the other section. So I think it's very possible that it's just so big that they just never came across the Spinosaurus in the Lost World. Um, you know, I, I think that's pretty plausible at least. 
Yeah, especially since you mentioned that on Lost World, they're at one end of the island, and the Spinosaurus seem to be housed at the other end, totally different ecosystem yeah. makes. So that makes sense that they didn't cross in front of it. It was probably there the whole time. And Ish. then uh, we have, what if NBC, who owns Universal, was to create a pre-Jurassic Park show? I mean, we've kind of talked about this quite a bit um, with, actually not NBC, which... I'm not sure I'd be open to that because NBC has a rough patch when it comes to making shows. They don't always succeed. Um, recently, they've been doing pretty well with like comedies and stuff like that. But as far as um, dramas and stuff go, it's not always great. I mean, This Is Us is huge, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. uh, nothing in the action setting that I can really think of that's like a big show, you know, like something huge. Um and that, would that would cost like, a lot of money, too. Um, it would be like the Smallville of Jurassic. Exactly, and, yeah. And that lane isn't really an NBC lane. Yeah. More of a CW I lane. I, you know, I, I really think we, we continually talk about Netflix. Um, people have brought up um, HBO because they kind of want to see the, um, I guess, the R-rated take on the franchise. So, I, I mean, I could technically see, especially because... Um, Westworld is on HBO. It's a very dark and and scary and uh, messed up kind of show. Um, very graphic and all that. I don't know if if you know Jurassic really doesn't fit in that realm. If they're gonna tie it into what's happening, you know, concurrent with this with the movies. Um, but you know, Michael Crichton wrote Westworld and directed the movie and all that, so. There's a chance that you know that could happen as well if they wanted to get this Crichton estate out there more on HBO. Um, that would be possible. But I think Netflix is a good home for something like that too. Well, you know, this is coming from someone who never, ever, ever picks up a book, as you know. Um, I Soon. think the novel, the novel way, might be the way to go. Like they're starting it with this Claire book, and they, I, I think that might be a way to go, like a pre-Jurassic series or or something like that. Yeah, that's like that's like the easy route, right? I mean, that's a, uh, you know, you can get that book out pretty quick, and then you read it real real quick, and you're done. Um, I, I mean, everybody kind of wants the visuals, though. I think, but uh, I would be perfectly content with a novel, you know, about yeah. John Hammond's upbringing and and all that stuff. I think it would be great. But the thing is, I don't think a TV show or even a Netflix program would give people what they're they're wanting from a visual. I don't think they would. They would just be disappointing. I don't know if they could really give it because I mean, it's really going to be judged hard, and they'd have to get the cast right. They would have to be so on point, and I don't know if they could have the budget or the team behind it mm-hmm. to make it what people would want. So I, I yeah, books a safe bet, but I also think that's kind of the only way that they can make people not furious about it. Yeah. And also when you, you're probably not going to get any of the actors to show up. Um, yeah. You know, unless it's like agents of shield that got one guy to cross over and then eventually they kind of interlaced some other characters here and there, but um, it maybe it would be something like that. But uh, you know, if you're going to do a pre Jurassic park, You'd have to cast a younger Hammond, a younger Lockwood, people like that. Um, so, I mean, if they're very much younger, like, you know, in their 20s or 30s or something like that, that could work. But if once they get to that age where they're close, sort of like how Han Solo, this new movie's coming out and people are, like, up in arms about he doesn't look like Han Solo. And it's only 10 years before 
he he is Harrison Ford. So it it's kind of weird in that sense. So I could see a lot of people complaining about that aspect as well. Well, another thing, this this movie's cover such a long span. If you were to have like a really young Hammond in his 20s, how would you even get to the point like it would just have to be all about him. Like you'd never get to visit the other characters because the oh, age no, gap yeah. is so big. Yeah, you'd never touch on Jurassic Park really. You just you know, there would be subtle references here and there about dinosaurs, I'm sure, but you know, it would all be about him and his flea circus, which I know both of us would love probably. Yeah, I would. <laughs> that would be I mean, that would, would be a killer it. show. I would love a thing about him, but I don't know if the masses would. No, I know. I don't, I just don't think they would be there, but uh, us fans would would die for something like that. That would be awesome. Yeah. So that wraps up Jonathan's email there. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, next up, let's see. We have a voicemail from Sam. Let's see if I can play this one here. Hey, JP Podcast. Name's Sam. I have been a longtime fan of Jurassic Park and absolutely adore your podcast. I also admire how Jurassic Park you made your podcast from the music to the sound effects and even using dialogue from the movies. Some of my favorite segments on your show are the Game Trail, the Innovation Center, and Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Anyway, I read somewhere that IDW is producing a Jurassic World comic book, and I was wondering, do you think, who do you think should work on it? Me, personally, I would like to see either Ricardo Delgado or William South do the artwork. Both of them are exceptionally great artists who had experience draw, drawing dinosaurs and working on comic books. Ricardo Delgado being the creator of the exceptional comic book page of reptiles and William Stout being the author of Dinosaurs, fantastic view of a lost era. And I also happen to be the concept artist for the for the ill-fated Jurassic Park animated series. Of our choices for who would do the art is Matt Frank, who has done art work for the IDW run for the Godzilla comics, Art Adams, Mark Schultz, the creator of Xenozoic Tales, a.k.a. Cadillac the Dinosaurs, and Jim Lawson, the creator of Paleo, Tales from the Late Cretaceous. And as for who should write the comic, my choices are Jeremy Robinson, the author of the Kaiju Filler Project Nemesis, Greg Bear, the author of Dinosaur Summer and Jurassic Park Dangerous Cave, Ethan Pettis, the author of Primitive War, and the legendary Scott Snyder, who was the writer for plenty of Batman comics, as well as the creator of American Vampire, Severed Witches, and A.A.B. After Death. But who do you think should uh, work on the comic book? Wow. Oh, yeah, there, okay. that, was, uh, that was the email, or the voicemail. Um, well, I got two points on this thing, yeah. right, out the, right out of the gate. First point, the mailbag was not his one of his favorite segments, so... I know. What? I don't know What's going on there? That. I don't know how I feel about that. What is it? You said the Second Game Trail point, and Innovation Center? I mean, Extinction Level or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, those are good ones, you know. Yeah, fine. <laughs> but, I mean, this is where the party is. <laughs> and point number two, I think he should be in charge of the comics. I know. Because he's so smart. I was just thinking, like, yo, this dude just schooled us. Like, I have no idea. Like, he asked, you know, well, who would we pick for any of these things? And I'm thinking, I'm not thinking anything because I don't know any. You know, <laughs> I don't I'm know any artists. Him. Uh, yeah, let's have him just like run the run the thing there because IDW is taking forever to make this announcement and whatnot and get this stuff out. 
Um, you know, they had talked about this so long ago, and we keep hearing that things are going to pop up, but never happens. Um, so I don't know. I did like, though, that he, he mentioned uh, Ethan Pettis, uh, who wrote uh, Primitive War. That was that uh, – he was at the um, – uh, the exhibition, he handed out those little um, pamphlets that had like a selection from his book oh. and it had some awesome artwork and stuff like that. It was really great, really awesome story and great artwork in there. So I, I'd love to have that guy, you know, do some stuff there. That would be perfect. But yeah, you schooled us, I, dude. We, we're, lo- we're, you know, at a loss for words. <laughs> I, I would hire him to just facilitate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, we have no idea. No answer for you there. But keep sending them in. You know, <laughs> keep uh, keep calling in. That was great. Um, See, this is why he hates – he doesn't like the mailbag. Yeah, I know because we're just like, sorry, Sam. We, what? We, we don't know anything. What's we're not art? qualified. What's, what's comics? I don't know. What's but Yeah. Actually, I know what comics are. I've got plenty of them. But I, I just like I, – I don't – unfortunately, I don't pay attention to who, who does the artwork or who – you know, writes the stories. So maybe I got to start paying attention. Um, but that's my own fault. So let's move on here to um, a submission from our website from Owen. This uh, The title is Fallen Kingdom, Blue and the Indoraptor. And his message is, hang on, this is going to be bad. I've discovered something that cannot be unseen. I was recently reviewing the Lego sets that were revealed at the Toy Fair. I noticed that the Lego Indoraptor had a gold stripe, very similar to the one on blue. I realized that gold slash yellow and blue are color negatives and inverted the colors on my computer screen. The color negative of blue, when she is in good lighting and her scales and skin are relatively bright and lit, uh, lit is a dark gray slash black Velociraptor with a gold stripe. It all fits together with the fight in the second trailer for Fallen Kingdom. I'm a frequent listener of the Jurassic Park podcast, and I enjoy every episode. Um, thanks, dude. So if you were able to decipher what I just said because I can't read, um, basically what he did was he took a picture of blue, inverted the colors. I'm sure you've all seen that before where you, you hit the button and it turns a picture negative and it kind of looks like real creepy looking. Well, I actually did this myself because I caught a glimpse of this from the website and um, I did that. I inverted the colors on blue and it, it, it's crazy. It, it creates um, like a almost blackish body with a gold stripe. And no then if, way. You, if you invert the um, in Indoraptor, it, it creates like a whiter body with a blue stripe. What? It's so crazy. My- it literally – I'm wondering like was that done on purpose? You know? I hope so. Because that's amazing. That, that's that was, genius. I know. Uh, it kind of blew my mind. Like, uh, you know, wow. he just he just said that you know he discovered something that cannot be unseen. I, I think, I think that's fantastic. You know, like I'm my mind was blown when I read this, and when I did it myself, because I'm like, what is he talking about? Let me see. And I, I did it. I'll have to put the pictures up there because it's crazy. It's so cool. Um, and I wonder, like, is that something that you know happened in the DNA process where it created? you know, the negative version of blue, like in a, in like a good versus bad way, you know, it's the negative blue and that's what it would look like. I think that's crazy. That's a really cool idea. Cause who thinks, who would think to put a gold stripe on yeah. that? You know, did they just so happen to do that? And they're like, Oh, this would be great. Let's do it like that. I don't know. 
I mean, I'm, I know we saw the yellow and I just assumed, oh, well, we have blue, so now we have yellow, so why not? Like, it's a raptor kind of thing. It's just a little different. But I didn't even consider it would be the invert of it. Like, that's insane. That's insane. I, I just have this image of someone in graphics, like, make, working on this movie and just going through the filters. And they're like, oh, that's a cool filter. And it's like the yeah, invert filter. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I, I just thought, like... Maybe they just messed around with the colors a little bit, and uh, that's what happened. It like kind of came out that way. I don't know. I, I, I'd really love to know if that's really what went down. If they just, you know, did that by accident or what. But it's such a cool thing that he noticed. I just don't know how. Like he just just so happened to come across it. So that's really cool. I love that. I'm gonna that's I'm gonna drop these pictures in here into our chat um, if you want to take a look at them. Um, it's very very cool. Um, yeah, you can see like how well it kind what? of represents what he was just talking about. Like, it's got the straight up a blue stripe. It's not even mistakable. I mean, yeah, the, maybe the skin color is a little off from blue, but and then blue. I actually did a picture of baby blue, um, and it came up with like a you know goldish kind of stripe and a darker body, which is crazy. Whoa, I think I just like X out of Skype, but we're still talking. So we're still good. here. We're still here. But, but <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's insane. Especially the, the yellow on blue, though. Like, that just looks so, so weird. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Nice find, dude. That That's really cool. Um, thanks, though. Uh, let's move on here to a voicemail uh, from Philip. I'm going to call hey, you Philip now. Jen. It's uh, Philip <laughs> or Scorpion. Yeah, yeah, you know the name. Uh, <laughs> so I was wondering uh, if um, I could talk about a a topic that applies to Jurassic, but like I'm, I've been seeing lately in another fandom, Brad will know what I'm talking about. Um, Jen, you're going to have see. to bear with me because I'm going to mention Star Wars here. <laughs> uh so Brad knows that after um, The Last Jedi came out, a lot of people were, I wouldn't say disappointed, because I would actually say they were angry that things did not go the way they thought. Because, like, after every Star Wars movie, everybody theorizes, oh, what's going to happen next? Think of, like, what we do with Jurassic, you know, in between Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, we theorized a lot. And think of that, but on a much larger scale, and, like, if things don't go the way people think, they get pretty angry. And they're like, well, it should have gone this way. Uh, and a lot of people, like, on YouTube and everywhere else are like, well, you're not the one telling the story, are you? You really don't have any say in what happens. But it's like, well, they should listen to what the fans say, and that's the main thing that I want to bring up. Is like, do you think that... Uh, because I know a lot of fans weren't happy with Jurassic World and the Raptors and everything. I mean, I was, but and a lot of fans aren't happy with certain things in the Jurassic series. So, do you think that the fans, that Universal or whatever, Colin or I don't know, or Tom Trevor or I don't know, whatever, it, do you think that they should listen to the fans and like do what they want? Because I think that um, I think I'm going to quote um, Hello Greedo on YouTube by saying this. He said something along the lines of, you know, the moment that Star Wars, just switch out Star Wars with Jurassic for the, when I'm saying this, the moment that Star Wars appeals to fans is every demands, appeals to fans' demands, is the moment it dies. Because, <laughs> like, people have to realize, like, they can voice their complaints online, it's fine. 
Like that, that's why we have those great debates on Twitter and not great debates in Star, in Star Wars communities because those can get very toxic, unlike the ones in the Jurassic community. But like, people can voice opinions. They just, <laughs> they just have to understand that they're not the ones telling the story. The filmmakers are. Like, it isn't their story to tell. Like, maybe they should listen to some of their input and take it into consideration. But it it shouldn't be like, you didn't do what I wanted, so now I'm angry. So, (laughs) yeah, the main point that I was getting at, I kind of diverted there, was do you think that Colin, Universal, and the fans and everyone should listen to what the fans think about the stories uh, that are going to be told of Oh, and that's when his voicemail mm-hmm. cut off. Um, I do have a little bit here. Uh, hi, Philip. <laughs> I got cut off. Your voicemail is very, very mean to me. <laughs> but um, I'm, I was going on too long. Sorry. Sorry. I was basically just saying, restating my question. Do you think Colin and I should listen to the fans and do what they want or, or take what they think into consideration? Uh, so... Um, I was just going to say, loving the podcast. Um, Jen, I'm glad you um, like the thought that I put into that name. And <laughs> I love Mailbag so much. It's my favorite of the whole podcast. So thank yes. you for that. There we uh, go. Woo. Happy hunting with the toys because they'll be out by then, right now. Um, oh, and I yeah. uh, hope you guys do great. Bye. So, yeah. <sighs> I, I got some stuff to say on this. Um, just recently, I was reading an art. Uh, uh, yeah, it was on um, Slash Film, an article on there. And it was about um, Avengers Infinity War. And they were basically having the same argument about, you know, they, I think it was an interview with the directors. And basically, like, you know, if, if we were to give you exactly what you wanted, you'd, you'd, like, not care or you'd get sick of it or whatever. And they made the, uh, you know, uh, analogy, I guess, of. You know, if I gave you your favorite ice cream every day, you'd get sick of it after a little bit and you wouldn't want it anymore. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at is like if we gave you exactly what you wanted, you wouldn't really think it's that great or or it would be fine, but it wouldn't make you think more. It wouldn't like make you experience more. And um, I get that to an extent. You know, I, I have a hard time with that theory as well because I feel like you know, I, I wanted something different out of The Last Jedi. I wanted something completely different than I got. And it made me real disappointed at first. And, and I'm still I'm still okay. I'm, like, fine with it now. It's a, it's a good movie. But I just – I think there's some things that you could have definitely done better. Um, and Avengers actually was perfect for me. And they they did things that I hoped and things that I didn't expect and all that stuff. So I think it was perfect, you know, mix there. Um, I just don't think you should take it too far one direction and just do something completely off the wall that fans just won't appreciate. And maybe that's what they did with The Last Jedi. Maybe they went a little too far for a lot of people. Um, But I don't think that we're going to go that way with Jurassic, even though there was a lot of uproar, um, no pun intended, um, with (laughs) Jurassic World, you know? Well, let me first say that I love this question. This is an excellent question. I don't know if it's been asked before at least in this way so that's a really 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 good point and i know it goes back and forth a million times and i i have to i don't want to take a middle road i'm going to take the like 75 percent road towards you because 
I think that everyone making these movies should listen to the, like, at least hear what the fans have to say. Not implement it, but listen to what they have to say and hear what they want, like, overall. And not, like, say, oh, we're going to change the movie to make this happen. But keep it kind of just, like, as a, not even as a co-writer, but as an inspirational piece that, oh, if we're in that lane, we can kind of take a piece and throw it in there for them because I know that's something that they want. But stay true to exactly what their original story and idea and vision is, but like at least listen to what people want. Even if they don't touch anything they say, at least consider it and acknowledge that there is stuff that people want. Like that, I think that's yeah. a good, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it because... I mean, you want somebody that pays attention, that knows the material and, and knows, you know, what's going on. So you don't want somebody to just come in there and just make a movie, you know, for profit. They just want to make money. They have no ties to the franchise. They just don't care. It's just words on a script and then they put it on film and that, then they move on to their next project. Like You don't want that. You want somebody that's involved, somebody that knows what's going on. And I think we have that. You know, I think – yeah. I think Colin is a fan. I think a lot of the people yeah. that are making it are fans. Um, so, you know, they're kind of listening to themselves. Like, what do they want to see? And, yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead. And that, that's, that was my next – that was exactly – we walked in right to my next point was I think that we've had the perfect storm with Colin because he does listen to people. He knows in general what people want to see and he knows what people like to see. And he might not always use that or go directly what – the criticisms that he's getting but he knows of it and i think that's valid enough and important enough and uh, whether he uses it or not i don't know or even with like the way the jurassic world was made like it had so many little things that fans have like wanted it it wanted in a film like a lot of people didn't like it but it's probably the expectation thing but um it had a lot of things that you can't just dismiss like there were there were things that he made it for the fans in a sense but kept it to the vision and the story so i think that was exactly the perfect way to do it which is ironic because lots of people complain about jurassic world but i think that was the perfect storm of, of it and now he gets three and he still i think listens to people and we're lucky to have that relationship in a way um so i think we got it right like the way that it's being done with this trilogy i think is the perfect way to do it yeah, and I wonder, like, uh, you know, f for instance, that scene that's in the like the first trailer, even so, it's not it's not any kind of spoiler or anything. But you know, Blue hops on top of the vehicle. Yeah, um, and like I feel like that is almost something that you know whether he had that on paper beforehand or not. I mean, we obviously saw it in that Mark Engler poster back in you know 2015, I guess, or. Was it 2015? It might have been even earlier. I'm not sure. At a Comic-Con, you know, they, they produced that poster and, and everybody assumed that's what we're going to get. We're going to get that scene. We never got that scene, hmm. but now we're kind of getting that scene. So was it a thing that like he already had that in mind for the second movie or did he listen to people complaining like, oh, where was that scene? Why didn't we get that? That would have been so cool. And then they implemented it. I don't you know. know. I, think, I, I think he kind of had it figured out what he was going to do like he was going to go back and find blue and then maybe he had it all figured out but then whenever they were figuring out what it's going to look like then maybe he's like oh wait where do we put blue oh we have this old thing that people wanted that's convenient for us we'll just do that as a yeah. shout out to them because it's not like he wrote it around it and it's not like he had it in his mind i think he had it all figured out and then when they were figuring out what it's going to look like he's like oh well that fits perfectly here okay cool like it yeah. wasn't any big major change or anything yeah, I, and I wonder, like, 
what could happen that would make it come off the rails for me? You know, like what what, what is that thing that would happen? Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I, like I keep saying, I just got to get rid of all the theories. And the worst thing you could possibly do is have a podcast and talk about it every week. Um, That's and cre- exactly you know, the problem here. It's literally the worst thing you could do is have a podcast that you literally just sit here and talk to yourself and create theories. Um, yeah. And you guys all hear the theories and then you come up with your own theories. So stop listening. What are you doing? Go download something else. <laughs> But I, I just know I feel like honestly like because I listened to so many Star Wars podcasts and I almost like created you know this vision in my head as to what the last Jedi would be and then it didn't do that and and that was all my that was my own fault for coming up with these theories myself and I don't know I just really got to contain it this time around and I'm trying to do the best I can I think the trailers have really given us so much you know that we don't really need to make too many theories. You know, it's kind of uh, – we're at an interesting point right now where it's like, well, I mean, as far as we can tell, we know everything, you know? I just hope that there's a lot. Um, what I keep telling – I don't even told you this. I'm not sure. But if if this is Claire's trilogy and supposedly it's supposed to be, all we have her doing in this movie is bringing Chris Pratt to the island. So I have to believe there's a lot in there that she's doing and stuff is happening that she's involved with that they're not showing because the, that can't be. She can't be like just in the background the whole time and her only purpose is that. Like I there got to be more. So I'm holding on to that. So maybe that's one of my disappointed moments that I'm going to have during this movie that I've built up. I'm not sure. Um it's hard though like when you do talk about like this i don't think it's even possible not to fill in the blanks yourself yeah and i wonder if any of the backlash from the first movie with claire and people not loving the character um you know shoe related or not you know people just had a problem with the character um and i wonder if that you know obviously i feel like it did come into play i mean they've changed her completely it seems like she almost seems like a completely different person. And I, I wonder how much they either cut back the role or um, just changed it that much. I don't know. I wonder. I hope it's not cut back. You know, like it's a backseat role to, you know, Chris Pratt again. I, I, I hope that's not the case. I hope there is something more like you're saying. That would break my heart. But not again because she was not a backseat in the first movie. She was just promoted as one. Yeah, she well, wasn't a backseat. I mean, yeah, time. but th- – that's the way it's been though it's she wasn't the backseat but every, that's just the way that they're telling you yeah things are happening is she you know she was the backseat then she's the backseat now she's never been the focal point of any marketing material or anything so that's just the way um it seems no it's breaking my heart well she aside got a, from she the book that novel. we talked about all last week so that, that's a that's a whole nother story i guess um but we talked plenty about claire last week yeah. Um, let's move on here. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Actually, Philip, we got another one coming up later. I saved it for the end here. So let's move on to an email from Ryan. He says, hey, Brad and Jen. It's Ryan, also known as rdilly2p on Twitter. I have this crazy conspiracy theory, but it's also so crazy that it could be true. The trailers that have been released for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom have been mostly lies, but they've sprinkled in some truth. I'm not trying to step on Travis's toes here with a chaos theory, but hear me out. (laughs) Um, The premise is that the villain, Dinosaur, 
is not the Indoraptor, but a new Indominus. Clue number one is in the third trailer where Claire, yell- Claire yells, it was all a lie. She's talking about the trailers. Uh, clue number two, I'm going to leave this part off slightly just in case i know a lot of people have not read or not read not watched the last trailer so i'm gonna cut past this as they find something in the water um and why why do they need that thing that's in the water well uh this is hard to kind of say without spoiling things here um Let's just say they need it to make the Indominus. <laughs> Clue number three is at 59 seconds in the third trailer, there is a – this is not a spoiler. There is an Indominus hologram that is shown. That's debatable. Um, mm. cue, num- cue number four is that Wu says in the international trailer, I designed this animal myself. Yeah, I know he probably designed the Indoraptor as well, but he loved the Indominus in Jurassic World and most likely would want to perfect it. That leads us to clue number five. They need blue as raptor DNA. Nobody can argue that blue is a perfect specimen. If you wish to make another Indominus, she could be trained to some extent, unlike previous films' raptors. My clue, or my last clue, is that there is a poster-like image in an office that's exploding in a lab. So there it is. I don't know what that means. Uh, My conspiracy theory that the Indoraptor is not the main dinosaur villain in the movie. It is, in fact, Indominus Rex 2.0. There you go. What do you mm. think about that theory? Well, that's a theory. <laughs> um, there it is. There it is. There it is. I don't think that's true, but that's a theory. That I mean, that would be you know real interesting if they just completely ignored everything they showed you, and it was all a lie. Um, you know, I I got a. F- good feeling i know exactly what that lie was but and i think the trailers show us that so i don't think it's any um i don't really I'm think they're, they're trying they're to throw it. you like i don't want to be that obvious i hope it's something else some i hope they're trying to throw you i'm going with that well i feel like i'm gonna be disappointed but i don't care well bring it back everybody you know like that one week or whatever one month that we did where everybody tied everything in i'm gonna do it again here um mm-hmm. bring it back to star wars um you know and Philip said it that um, in the trailers, Luke Skywalker said, this is not going to go the way you think, which is essentially what Claire would, is saying. Like, this is all a lie. It's, so it's like mm-hmm. not going the way you think. Um, and that's what I think their their plan is not going the way they think. Um, but as far as the Indominus, I mean, there is like this hologram thing on a computer in one of the background scenes or whatever. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's debatable whether it's the Indominus or the Indoraptor. They do look so similar um, that I think it could be either one. Do you, did you remember um, seeing that one? Yeah. Even, I think maybe that's just reminding the audience what the Indominus was. It could be, yeah. So they know, so they know that it's half this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, kind of showing like what it's made of. Um, I don't know. I And Wu said I designed this animal myself, which, yeah, I think – and he, he said he would want to perfect the Indominus, but I think that's what the Indoraptor is, right? I mean, that's what they talked about in Jurassic World. Vic Hoskins yeah. came down to the raptor pen and was just like, you know, we need to perfect this thing, make it smaller, you know, so it can go in and take out the enemy, eat them, belt buckle and all. Um, and I think that's what the Indominus, Indoraptor is. They should have really just made this a different name because I get way too confused every time I say it. I constantly say Indominus. I can't get it out of my head. But 
Indoraptor. Just called it Stan because Indoraptor's kind of yeah. Lame. Stan. We should just you know incorporate that. You know, everybody's I'm like, what is it, it Re- Rexy or Roberta? Like, no, it's Stan. <laughs> I'm gonna call it Stan. Like for from here until eternity, it's Stan to me, and people are gonna. Somebody's think I'm gonna weird. tune in like later crazy. in the podcast and be like, "Who's Stan?" I don't remember <laughs> or it. someone what? will tune in and be like, "So I have a question about Stan. Do you think it's like mostly Indominus or like most? Like there'll be serious yes. question. Please, and they'll just please. call it Stan. Everybody, please call in with your Stan questions next month. That's really what we need happening. Um, but yeah, I I mean. I I think that the trailers are not um, misleading us, really. I I don't think so. I know, but uh, I had some hoping. I don't know. I feel like they've laid everything out. Like it, you see exactly the twists and turns. Maybe there's more that we're not picking up on, but maybe Claire's a bad guy this whole time. <laughs> I don't That'd know. That'd be so awesome, dude. That'd you know, be I want interesting. that. You know, I want that. But, but maybe I'm... she's Indominus Rex 2.0. Maybe. Maybe. Stan. Stan. Stan, Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust that Stan Lee. Um, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Uh, that was that was interesting. And definitely definitely a, a chaos theory for Travis. We'll have to get his, uh, his take on that. Um, mm-hmm. But let's see. Next up, we have a voicemail from Rowan. Uh, let's take a listen. Hi, this is Rowan. Kerry uh, was just wanting to leave some of my uh, remarks on the first or the latest trailer we just saw of Jurassic World um, something I didn't hear anyone bring up in the podcast was uh, there was a tone that the the shot of the T-Rex when the, when the mountain's blowing up in the background it's kind of the higher pitch tone of the T-Rex roar almost to me um, seems like that's something that they're Maybe gonna play that the Indoraptor might sound like, like because the T Rex they're gonna they're not gonna make the T Rex have a higher pitch tone. Uh, if anything, it would be deeper since she's older now. But um, I don't know. It just seemed interesting to me that they kind of upped the pitch on that. Uh, and then uh, just the parts about it that I like that shot when you see the T Rex roaring in the rain and somebody's on a rope ladder with a yellow rain jacket on it just totally brought, brings you back to the first movie um, I've been wanting shots like that and in Jurassic World everything felt so kind of just clean and bright um, this feels a little more like I, I, I just like the darker aspect of everything that it, it, it kind of has just a scarier vibe which <laughs> is what I've been wanting to see um, also that scene and they're in the submarine, and they see the skeleton. That that I was not expecting. That that I kind of wish I didn't see. <laughs> There's a lot of yep. things I kind of wish so much I didn't for my see. No spoilers. Like that, eh, <laughs> it's all gonna, you know, there's gonna be surprises. Um, everything they kind of jumble it up, and you think you see it all, but you probably don't. Uh, I don't know. Super excited for the movie. Uh, looks like it's gonna be pretty cool. I love that scene where the uh, Indoraptor's crawling on the roof howling in the moon it yes. like, looks like it's a you know a werewolf or something like that but it looks, that kind of makes you feel like it's more monster movie type but the scenes with like the T-Rex and the, and the dark and the rain and all that that kind of takes me back to Jurassic Park 1 and a little bit to the Lost World where it's just 
you know, a lot scarier moments. So, anyway, uh, I'm, I know I'm a little late for uh, giving feedback for the podcast, but just uh, one thing I didn't hear anybody talk about was how they upped the pitch on the on the uh, the T Rex scene there. That I think that that might be hinting at what the Indoraptor could sound like, which would be kind of cool. I think. Anyway, take care. Hope the movie's awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, dude. That was a, that was yeah. a good one. I'm really glad he brought up the point of the change T-Rex word because they did change it. And I'm a little unhappy about that. It, it's not the full like guttural roar that you're used to. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what he means there because yeah. the first trailer had that very similar roar that we're used to. Uh, and then this last one, the third and final trailer apparently had like a very different roar. But then the international trailer went back to the other roar. So I don't know why why there was a difference there um, in those two, two roars. And then we hear um, on – I think it was Bayona's Instagram or Twitter. He posted like an edit of that scene and they were like working on the roar itself it sounded like. And it, it sounded interesting. I don't know if it was fully processed or what but it definitely sounded interesting there. Do you Do you remember seeing that one? Um, nope. <laughs> well, what do you think could be the difference there between the roars? Do you think it's something cut only for the trailer? Do you think the Rex will actually sound a lot different? I hope it's just cut for the trailer. I don't know why it would even change for the trailer because it's worrying me a little because these are the later trailers. So it's like they're already they edited the roar and this is what they're keeping. If it was reversed, I wouldn't be as concerned. But I, I mean, I was just in Orlando and did the Jurassic ride, and that's like the roar you want. Like the one in that ride is the one that you want, mm-hmm. and like, and then you take you back to the rain scene in Jurassic Park with that, that roar. Like you want that one that just gets in your ears, like not just a little thing that they're they're doing in this latest trailer. I don't know. So I don't know why they would do that, and it scares me that it's the later trailer that it's done on. Um, I hope that that's not the final decision. Mm-hmm. But I, I want that like seat shaking like yeah. roar, you know? Yeah, and even the roar at the end of Jurassic World or even throughout Jurassic World, there was people complaining about the roars. I actually brought up the trailer here. Um, so, uh, what are you dating like an accountant? Let's see, I want to try to find that oh, roar. Let's pause it just for a second. But um, hmm, this is the first trailer. So the roar will be very similar to what you're used to. Ready? Mm-hmm. Come on, load, load, YouTube, go. So that sounds like it literally yes. just the same roar, you know, I like right? Um, let's see if I can bring up the third trailer here. Sorry if you hear my typing and whatnot. Um, so let's move through. Where is it? It's in here somewhere. Um, this is great audio, I know. All right, so it's right around here. Let's see. Gonna be here after. Welcome. Which is actually mm. very that. Now that I hear it, like in the headphones and everything, let's listen to that again. I'm gonna try to pull up some other clips too as I'm doing this. Um, They're gonna be here after. Welcome. 
That sounds very reminiscent of Jurassic Park, to be honest. I think it does. Mm. Um, it's very echoey, though. Like, it sounds echoey. It does sound like it sounds like they just captured different audio from different parts of the movies. Um, let me see if I can. Uh, this is. I got to hope my computer is fast enough to do all this stuff. So let's take a listen here um, to the T-Rex breakout scene. Um, Best ad. Oh, giving cool. These- we got an ad. That's cool. Let's mute this. Um, Professionals. I know, right? Here. It's all on the fly, folks. This is what happens. So this is very familiar T-Rex breakout scene. Let me look through here. Where Where's the roars happening? Um... Not there, not there, not there. Oh, this is going to be the very end of the scene. Let's see if there's any roaring here. I don't know. Play, play, go. Professional. I feel like it sounds similar to that one. No, I disagree. Are our ears broken? Oh my gosh, this is another February thing. They're going to be here after. It sounds uh, very similar. I mean, uh, slightly it's like higher. More in the background. Oh, so good sound design in this one. It's not that far off. I mean, yes, it's definitely higher pitch. Um, there's got to be more to this scene. Let's. Um, I know there's more to this scene, right? <laughs> um. Not, not anything. Oh, you know what I think it is? I think it's the last roar. I can find it. None of these sound familiar. These sound Wait, what is going on? This is like, oh, you know like what? A, I'm looking like at the zoo. No, this is this is wrong. This scene. Whatever the title of this is, resound. So somebody, somebody like screwed around with it and made their own version. That's not cool. I'm like listening to this, like this doesn't sound right. What is going on here? Um, well, that this won't is, throw this conversation off at all. Not I mean, at all. Not at all. Confuse things further. Yeah, great. I'm doing really great at finding this roar. Um, this is going to be totally cut out, right? Oh, here's a six-minute-long version. Let's see if it's in here. Any ads? Yes, there's an ad. Come on with these ads, you know? I hope this is worth it, dude. (laughs) Here, let's go to Instagram and check out Bayona um, mixing the sound while we're waiting for that trailer. That sounds weird. I feel like that's just not a fully... That's like one version. That's literally just a walrus. Like, I like when you hear the lion in the in the end. Like, you know, there's yeah. like a, a lion in there. That's, well, what, I, I that's like. what I feel like. That's only part of the mix. I feel like that's only like one animal or something like that. Um, man, I... This scene is not showing up anywhere. Where, what's... All right, so it's after this. I just want that scene. Nope, that's not it either. Uh, I don't know. I'll try to keep looking at it or looking for it. I can't find it. 
but it's the literally this the roar that happens uh, after the truck falls off the cliff. Um, that's the one I'm looking for. So I got to try to find that video. But let's move on here. While oh man, I got to read. Uh-oh. All right. This is an email from Tom. It says, hi, Brad and Jen. I just wanted to drop a line from the UK on the day of Mattel's uh, toy release uh, for the Jurassic World line. I rushed out for an uh, early lunch and drove to my nearest toy store and found a selection filled with Jurassic World. It's been so long coming. Unlike the previous attempts by Hasbro, I was immediately filled with nostalgia as a nine-year-old looking at Jurassic Park toys when I first saw the reports from Toy Fair. Not only are the sculpts uh, sculpts excellent, the range wide, the range wide, and the price <laughs> affordable. Oh, okay, I, I think I get it. And <laughs> but the packaging with the orange background really brings back memories and makes me glad they got the license. In the UK, we seem not, to not yet, and I hope it's yet and not at all. Man, is this just me or what? Have the super colossal T-Rex, nor the Carnotaurus, Stegosaurus, or any of the human figures. Of course, it wouldn't be as much fun if I'd managed to find it all in one day. It's the thrill of the hunt. Unfortunately, the same seems to be the case with the Nedri slash Dilophosaurus 2-pack from Funko. Anyway, I look forward to the coming months of finding new stuff in the, in the wild. I'm trying to read this fast. I feel like I'm better at it doing, doing this fast. Um, I just in the wild. S- yeah, in the wild. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for doing the show. I love listening each week and listening to people who love Jurassic Park as much as I do, particularly when I don't know anybody who does. Also, thank thank goodness for your show. Thanks, Tom. Thank goodness cool. for this show. I mean, I just told you all to not listen anymore. Um, but yeah, man. Each email just makes me realize I don't know how to read. Um, but um, yeah, these toys. These toys have been fantastic. I, I've got a ton myself, but... I, I have heard from a lot of people in the UK and out that region that um, they're having a hard time finding anything at all. Um, and what they do find is either, you know, all gone, which is the case here in the US as well, um, or just, you know, there's just not much. I've heard that, you know, a lot of the stuff might not even be coming out that way for a while. So who really knows at this point what the standpoint is with, you know, these toys out in the UK? Um, I know I've had good luck. I've had bad luck. But, uh, Jen, where, where have you stood with this whole toy hunt? <laughs> well, let me tell you. I had to go to Universal Studios Orlando to buy my Claire twice the price. So that's where <laughs> I stand. Like, there are, there's nothing here. Like, I'm with the UK people in Pittsburgh. I don't know what's going on with, with this area. But I went to, like, three Targets, and they didn't have anything out. And they were just confused when I asked. I'm like, okay. So, and then Walmart had some stuff, but their shelves are like empty already. They've been empty for for a while now. And I had to go about 45 minutes to a Target and I found the RC Jeep. So I got that. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm with the UK. I had to go, I had to travel to Orlando to pay twice the price for anything. And they had the full in- inventory down there, by the way. I mean, if you want to see toys on a shelf, just take a trip. Like that's enough. You don't need to go to the park. Just go into their gift shop because you'll be happy. Like, it'll be enough for you. It'll be yeah. worth the, the trip. <laughs> but um, that that's where I stand. I had to travel to Orlando to even touch a Claire. So, you know, know. I, I haven't seen 
any Claire's um, at all. Yeah, I haven't seen any. Yeah. I saw like the um, Imaginext Claire with like the, you know, the kitty toys. Um, but that was it actually. Um, no, no Mattel stuff. Um, yeah, I did and- get an Imaginext in the store. I got that in a Walmart about 30 minutes or 35 minutes from me. Um, but that was it. Yeah, those are a lot easier to find. Um, those are popping up all over the place. Um, yeah, it's just like the main stuff that you want to find. And a lot of people are having a hard time with like the legacy stuff. Um, you oh, know, I haven't like, seen that at all. Yeah, and those are only at Target, I believe. Um, and they're, it's basically like you can get Grant, you can get Muldoon and Ellie um, and a bunch of – there's like a big dinosaur pack. I was able to get that pack from Target and it, it was like th- 30-something bucks. Um, came with Grant and a bunch of dinosaurs, like maybe five or six dinosaurs. Um, but yeah, I still haven't found Ellie or anything for Claire. It's just – I don't know mm-hmm. if they just didn't stock it well enough or if people already took them. But yeah, the shelves have been like bare it's been tough yeah. finding anything and every now and then, I, I mean, I don't know if there's slight restocks going on or if they're holding stuff back. But every now and then I go to my Target and there's like one or two different items that I hadn't seen previously. So I don't know if like maybe some kid picked up an item and just dropped it somewhere in the store and they, they just put it back on the shelf or if maybe they are still unpacking stuff. I don't know. But um, I, I I haven't had good luck recently. But um, – I yeah, did I haven't early really on. went back. It's too sad. Like, I don't even. It's too sad. I just went. I bought everything in Orlando. I'm like broke now, but at least yeah, it was yeah. it was a for sure thing. Like they had absolutely everything and things I've never seen before, and it was it's a smorgasbord of awesome. But yeah, it is. Everything is double the price there. Like my Claire's fourteen ninety nine regular, and it was I paid thirty dollars for it down there. So it's literally double the price. The Colossal Rex is like ninety five dollars down there. Yeah, so. I remember seeing um, at the exhibition they had the Hasbro stuff, and they had like the Stomp and Strike for like nine. Like honestly, I think it was ninety nine dollars. Yeah, and I know. It was I like, remember that. You're right. Yeah. It was like ex- it was like ridiculously priced, and you're like, huh? What is going on here? But I, so I can imagine Universal is similar. Um, but you know, at least the quality is better now. But yeah. these toys are fantastic. We we have, I have a bunch of toy hunts and stuff like that on YouTube. When I went out and and did like a bunch, the the one that's gotten a lot of hits actually is like me completely failing, and then finally finding the colossal and the mosasaurus. On my last trip of the night with my son, we actually went out together and, and found some stuff. But I had to beg. I had to, like, ask the Target person. And she's like, oh, yeah, we have stuff out. Look, it's over here. And she brought me to the Imagine Next stuff. And I'm like, no. Um, do you have, like, uh, bigger kids stuff? <laughs> it's so hard to, to do that, yeah. too, like, to ask I people. know. You feel so awkward. But, like, and I'm like. It comes to the point where, like, they realize that you know way more than they do about it. And, like, especially when I'm pulling up a UPC picture on my phone, yeah. and I'm like, hey, could you scan this and maybe see if it's in the back? And they're like, oh, you, where'd you get this? I'm like, I don't know. I just found it. <laughs> just found it. I don't, I don't run a podcast about it or anything. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just normal. Just normal <laughs> fan. You know, and I've seen the movies, like, once or twice. I'm getting these toys for, you know, kids. Not for me. Not for me. For younger, you know, 
other kids. <laughs> Nobody believes that at all when I say those things. I know. I, I kind of do wonder if, like, I should start saying that to people. Yeah, it's not for me. It's for my imaginary child or something. Yeah. Well, at least I brought my kid in, and, and and but and now we're well known in that in that Target. Every time I go there now, like I've gone there like maybe three or four times since, and she's like, "Oh, we 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 put the stuff out this time." And I'm like, she yelled it from across the store, and I'm like, "That's actually like, really cute." Oh. I'm like, ah, all right, now I'm well known for going to this Target and asking for these toys. And then I saw her again in a completely different section. And she's like, back again, I see. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here too often. And she's like, yeah, me too. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Why must it come to that, though? Like, if they're going to advertise this stuff, why can't they just put it out in bulk? That was the biggest disappointment was the big release day, April 16th. We are all so excited. We've been waiting for that day for so long. The day is here, and I went to f- six stores without finding anything. And it was so disappointing, right? Like, they just sort of communicated that this stuff needed to go out on shelves. It needed to be unpacked. It, you know, the employees didn't seem to care. I was, like I said, I, I was telling them what needed to happen. And it was just a big disappointment. So that I don't know if you felt yeah. that way, but that's how I felt about it. Hugely, hugely. Actually, I was uh, working night shift starting on the 16th. It was a Monday. So I was off Sunday and I searched everywhere on Sunday and the Saturday before after work. And like, you know, I was just me and my dad were going everywhere. And that's where I found the Imagine X, I think, on that Saturday or Friday or something like that. And um, we were just going everywhere. And it was just the Sunday and then coming up on that Monday on the 16th I was going to work and I'm and there was a tar- the only store I could go to Walmart was out of the way was was a Target on the way to work and so I quickly ran in and I was like so excited it was April 16th I was going down the aisles like I'm gonna get my Claire today it's gonna be fantastic I walk in and there's not one single toy anywhere and I, I was just like this is I'm broken. Like I had a moment of I don't even want it anymore. Like I've been wanting it for weeks at this point <laughs> and seeing everybody else get one and them finding them and other countries are so so on and so forth. And I'm like, OK, it's April 16th. It's my day. And there's not one single speck of anything and not even a clue that they're making space for it. Like they have a ton of Transformers, ton of Minions. Like there was not even a space. And I'm thinking, I just don't care. I don't. I'm done. Like, I don't even want a toy at this point. Oh. I was broken. It was really sad. I think I, like, had a tear. Like, I was just really sad and discouraged. So, yeah, I was I was right there with you. Yeah, you're broken. Sad. I'm broke. So yeah. I and bought I'm way too many toys. Because I, I have no money. Because yeah, I spent I, it all in Universal Studios. <laughs> I think I had, like, an extra paycheck, like, last month. And it was just like, whoa, I can get all these toys. Like, I got so many toys. It was fantastic. And now I'm like, ah, can't get any more. <laughs> Maybe eventually. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm uh, on pause for the time being. I have plenty of stuff. We've got, like I said, we did toy hunts. We did unboxing um, videos and stuff like that. And now we're doing reviews here on the podcast. So definitely keep uh, your ear out for all those. There's so much toy content coming. It's going to be crazy. Um, But let's see. Let's move on here. That was from Tom. So thanks, Tom. Um, This next one is a voicemail from Nemo. So let's take a listen. Hello, Brad and Jen. It's Nemo here. I'm 14 years old and uh, I'm uh, looking to um, work, uh, no, not work, you know, 
for a school I'm a high school that I can that's a good ground to become a paleontologist and uh, when I asked the man there like what do you want to be when you when you grow up why do you want to you know search in the uh, whatever it's called you know in the nature line why do you want to go in the nature line and I was like I want to be a paleontologist a paleo what <laughs> he said <laughs> and I said it's uh, you know a people who dig up bones it's like oh so you want to dig up dead lizards <laughs> and I started <laughs> laughing but anyways um yeah I have just um, a question too you know how did you get introduced to Jurassic Park? I got introduced to Jurassic Park uh, by a friend. He don't like Jurassic Park at all anymore. <laughs> oh no! Which is a bit sad. Aww. Who is he? My heart. That's terrible. My heart got broken when I heard that. But oh, anyways, same. um, uh. Now I have forgotten how to speak. This is going <laughs> Same. great. <laughs> Same one Okay. In the right place. Whatever. Okay, well, I became introduced to Jurassic Park uh, series because my friend know, knew that I liked dinosaurs. So he asked, uh, have you seen the movie Jurassic Park? And I was like, no, it's a movie about the dinosaur park. Like in real life dinosaurs, and I was no way. And then we got home to him, and you know we started watching. And his parents came came home and was like, "What are you watching, Jurassic Park?" And my parents were like, "No, I mean my friend's parents were like, uh, can Nemo see that?'" And I said, "I don't know." So I asked my parents, and they said no. So. Oh. I only saw the beginning of the second movie. <laughs> but, um, like a half year, uh, a, fa a half a year later, I, I saw the first movie and I was blown away and fell in love with it straight away. And, uh, yeah, that's how I became a Jurassic Park fan. Well, bye. See ya. <laughs> Whoa. All right, we're done. Um, that was a great voicemail. I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. How, I, I mean, wow. I'm sure we've probably mentioned it before, but how did you get, um, you know, first involved with the movies? Um, yeah, I've definitely, we've definitely said this. Um, well, when I was really, very little, I grew up, I was born in 89, so I grew up in, in around 1995 was the age that I was, like, getting into stuff, like, really getting into stuff and understanding it. And um, that was about when Windows 95 came out, and my dad uh, worked. 95, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my dad, <laughs> my dad worked um, for, like, computers, like, he fixed computers. He worked for Sun TV, which is, like, a Best Buy back in the day, and he fixed VCRs, computers, 
they didn't have DVD players or CD players, so like older stuff. And um, a lot of the Windows 95 computers came with games attached to them. And so anytime someone would bring in the computer, it would like save them to a floppy drive and bring them home and would, would play them at home. And a lot of games that year were dinosaur games. Like there was, there was something called Dinosaur Safari and there was Build a Dinosaur and Dinosaur 3D. And there was just a lot of dinosaur games around that time. And so those, that's what I played with when I was little. So I knew my dinosaurs pretty quickly at that age and i don't remember the well we always say i don't remember the first time i saw jurassic park because it's always just been ingrained in there and so i i just kind of grew up loving dinosaurs and it was just a natural pro- progression to watch jurassic park to play with the toys that my cousins had my older cousins had the original jurassic toys so they'd be over at my grandparents house and i'd play with them there and um i think i, I just had dinosaurs everything like dinosaur cards and just in general just dinosaur everything because i i grew up on those windows 95 dinosaur games yeah so, uh, it's my dad's fault <laughs> <laughs> and it's my mom's fault um for jurassic park at least i mean i was into dinosaurs uh sort of like you nemo like i i was really into uh the actual scientific end of it and just you know, studying every dinosaur that I could and and then getting into like the whole paleontology aspect of it. Like I think so many of us wanted to turn into paleontologists, you know, before even we saw Jurassic Park. I think it's just natural when you're, you know, you have so many books with dinosaurs like I did. I still have them actually, a lot of these like old books. And, and when I look at them now, the scientific models are like how these di- dinosaurs were represented. See? Nemo, I can't talk either. Uh, how they were represented are just like wrong. They're way off. Like they're not accurate at all anymore. And it's just funny to look back at those books and see that. But but still, I mean, like that's what introduced me to dinosaurs and got me interested in it. And of course, toys and all that. And then my mom, um, pre Jurassic Park movie, was reading the novel. And I don't. It wasn't a first run novel, but it must have been shortly after because it actually said like coming soon like a you know big budget movie or something like that on the cover um so that's where i i was like introduced to the the movie aspect was just via my mom reading the book on her front porch and just like telling me how creepy it was and stuff and i mean i was too young to read it because i was only uh six or seven at that point and then i think yeah probably like eight by the time the movie came out or so maybe seven um yeah i think it was seven when the movie came out I don't know, but um, yeah, that's how that's how I was introduced to everything. So it's been a long process, but uh, now we're all here, all together. And paleontology, dude, like, yeah, don't let anybody laugh at you because you know you want to do something cool like that. I, I think that's awesome, and I would love to still be into that and to be able to do something like that. I think it would be a great, you know, uh, career. And I mean, it there is no real Jurassic Park or Jurassic World in real life, so the world still needs paleontologists to like find dinosaurs and it's, yeah. it's not outdated. Like in the movies, it's I know. real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the problem with the movies. Grant's just like chucking his, you know, Raptor call like, Oh, who needs this anymore? Nobody cares about the bones, but luckily we do still care. And we're still like, it's paleontology is a crazy field that like scientific discoveries are still happening constantly, mm-hmm. like constantly. And you think like there's no more, right? That That's it. I think there's no more to discover. But then you're like, whoa, every, every you know, few weeks you're like, new dinosaur, new this, new that. Hey, we just found like 
dinosaur skin or we found like something in, encapsulated in amber or, you know, uh, uh, like a claw or something. Like there's all this crazy stuff. Like there was that fully like intact like dinosaur that basically looked like it was intact. I mean obviously it decayed and everything but this, the fossils were there. It was crazy. Like so we're still finding new stuff. So I think it's very valid uh, career choice and path to go down. Yeah, I mean, it's still needed, so yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it, dude. Thanks again, though. Uh, that was awesome, and uh, keep uh, keep calling in. Um, this last one here again is from Philip, so let's uh, let's take a listen. Uh, hey, it's uh, Scorpio Dino sixteen on Twitter. Uh, oh, Philip, dude, <laughs> calling in again. I know I'm very late on this. I didn't do it when it was a thing that you guys were doing. Uh, so I don't know if this could still count as a submission, but I have a Jurassic memory I'd like to share uh, of when I first watched the movie. Uh, I was, I think it was like January 2011 or 2010. I was either 9 or 10, maybe 11, maybe it was 2012, I don't know. Uh, and I had been scared all my life of watching Jurassic Park. And one day, this was when Blockbuster was still around, so yeah, rest in peace, Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> but I asked my, my dad to pick it up, or my mom or something, to pick it up at uh, Blockbuster. And they did, and it was the cover, of, that was like that gold cover with the T-Rex mouth on it. And oh, yeah. I remember watching it one morning, and... Uh, I loved it, and I was terrified of it. Like, the the raptor scene with Ellie in the power shed, like, I ch- must have jumped off the couch. I vividly remember that just taking my breath away as I just, like, jumped back in my chair, like, oh. Uh, and after that, my, my mother was a big scrapbooker. Uh, she took uh, me out uh, shopping with her, and we went to one of like the, cr- the scrapbooking shops, whatever it was, and I saw a bunch of foam dinosaurs, and one of them was a brachiosaur. And my mom commented that it looked a lot like the one in the movie from this morning. And it did. It was, you know, brownish, has a sort of coloration. So she got it. And to this day, I have it on nice. my shelf of collectibles on the, in the Jurassic Park section. Because that'll always be a memory of me from like the first day I saw it, and I didn't even mention the the thing that stuck with me the most about watching it for the first time was that my mom, uh, when the uh, Petticoat Lane scene came up over the melting ice cream, which is now my favorite scene in any of the movies, or in any movie I think, and my my mom actually paused it after it was done, and she was like, "Do you, do you understand what they're saying? It's important." And I was like, oh, no, and she rewinded it so I could watch it again. And I still didn't understand. I was, what, 10? <laughs> but um, uh-huh. I, I, that, re- that moment just really sticks in my head. It sort of cements how important that moment is for the characters and for, for me as a fan. But, yeah, um, I just want to I've been loving the podcast lately. Uh, I've been loving the mailbags, as, as <laughs> always. So uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. Uh, Jen, let me um, ask you, how were you introduced to Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's rewind a little bit. So back in 1995. Well, you mean when Windows 95 came out? Yeah. Imagine awesome. Creative people. But I do I do like how his mom like made him understand. Like he didn't understand, but she 
understood the importance of that scene and was like, no, try again. Like, try to get this, what this yeah. is happening. I really like that. I would probably do that. I know. I, I have a feeling I would probably do that too. Like, hey, kid, pay attention. Pay attention. Like, did you get that? Did you understand what just happened? It's so important, you know, because yeah. like I, I constantly think about that with my kid, like introducing him to movies that I love and like how do you not overdo it and how do you not like – just make them think it's a bad movie, like by doing things almost like that. Um, and I kind of want, you know, I, I have so many like emotions towards a scene, like like talking about the flea circus and all that. And I'd be I'd be doing exact same thing. Like, wait, listen, listen, how good this scene is! It's so good. And then the kid's just like, huh? <laughs> I know, I know. I actually feel that way when I show people the trailer or something that they're they're like watching and but I'm thinking are you really paying attention because it's gonna get good right here so you better be paying attention like and then you I see them pick up their phone and then you're like no no get that phone out of your hand what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah I, I have that I have that weird thing where like you know you hype something up so much and then you tell somebody and you're like all right let's watch it let's watch this thing and then I feel anxious like I created this movie you know like like it's a work that I did I'm like do you, do you like it is it do you, is this good I know what you mean. You you just feel so attached that it's yeah. yours, and you like you're showing it to them, and they have to. You you like they. I know what you mean. I can't yeah. like say it, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's such a weird feeling. Like it makes you anxious. It makes the mu- movie watching experience actually not too good. You know, from your point of view, because you're, yeah. you're too concerned with what, what they're thinking this whole I time. Actually- this actually happened to me before I watched Jurassic World. Um, well, not right before, like my seventh time seeing it or something. I my best friend has not seen Jurassic Park all the way through in her life, and it was like a big deal that I was gonna we were gonna go see Jurassic World together. Um, and I went over her house and we watched Jurassic Park first, and then we were going to see Jurassic World. And the whole time we were watching Jurassic Park, I was like looking over and I'm like don't go on your phone like don't do it like watch this part it's gonna be good here yeah. like get involved like come on i mean i have it's like you it's almost your responsibility to make their experience perfect <laughs> yeah and um yeah i i have um i actually was so if you heard me like banging around over here it's because i was digging out like this little brachiosaurus toy that i have here um and it was like pre-jurassic world or of course yeah obviously pre-jurassic park um, it's just like this, you know, little dinky toy. It's not, you know, Jurassic Park related at all. It's just, it's a Brachiosaurus. It's one of my favorite ones. I love it so much. And, and I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's something that like means so much, you know, it's a little Brachiosaurus toy. It's my favorite dinosaur and all that. So, you know, I know what he's talking about there when he's talking about that toy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have, um. Uh, actually, that was it. I think that was the last uh, the last voicemail there. So we made it through. Thanks, Philip. And I actually found some more T Rex roars. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The final one of the movie. So. So that one is basically this one right i mean let's let's listen here i think it should be this exact roar for the most part you're after no not at all no which trailer is this oh this that was the final one my bad that's not the one i meant to play they're all the same um where'd it go i don't know i lost it i'm talking to myself now here i am now talking to myself (laughs) um all right here's the first trailer 
Um, it's around here somewhere. I think. I think. I have no idea. Okay. This is great. Okay, uh, that's what I think is like identical sounding, right? Yes, that's exactly the same thing. Uh, where, where'd it go? Now I'm trying to find the original one again. It's right around here. Like, that's just the same roar. Yeah. Pretty positive. One more time for good measure. Yeah. Um, and then I found that one that I was talking about. I don't – I actually – as I was as I found it and I saw the image, I was like, uh, no, I know it's not like that at all. That one's mm. a very specific roar. Like it doesn't sound anything like that one, but it is higher pitch, so it has that going for it. But here's that third one. Be hereafter. Welcome. And he had mentioned, I remember back in that uh, voicemail, um, Rowan, I believe, he said, like, is it, was it, was it his? I forget. Um, but was it like the Indoraptor, like, you know, that sort of roar? Are they hinting at that? I mean, it's possible. There's, pay attention to right before the actual roar, there's like a, like a deeper roar. They're going to be hereafter. You hear that? Yes. It's what that, is that lions I was telling you about. Yeah. I need to hear the lions. But I don't feel like I feel like that's different than anything we've heard from any of these Rex roars. Maybe it's just not mixed good. I think that's the same roar, to be honest. I think it is the same roar that we're hearing, just pitched up higher. Um I don't think it's any different. Because it has the same like cadence. There's a, a cadence to like Ah, like it shakes. Yeah, yeah. That was very yeah. good. Didn't it sound exactly like that? I mean, I'm it's pretty, exactly the same. That, actually, I can't that, tell the difference. That wasn't even me. That I played. I press played on YouTube, and and that's what came yeah. out. Press played. That's not how you say words. Um, but yeah, that is that is really interesting. That roar. They're gonna yeah. be hereafter. Welcome. I think it's like sort of sped up in higher pitch. We might have to fool around with this and like put it into the program and kind of do some work on it to see if we can get it to sound exactly the same eventually. But that's uh, a good test. But um, yeah, so there's some more roars for you. Marathoning this mailbag once again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we've come to the end and uh, it's that time. So if you guys please, like I mentioned in the beginning, send us more stuff. Email us at JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Send us any of your emails that I can mess up and read completely wrong. Um, but mostly send us like a voice memo or, um, you know, you just hold up your phone, press the record button, send us that. That's perfectly fine. I'll play that. Um, if you want to, you can go to our website and fill out the form. I'm going to mess up those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely call our voicemail line, 732-825-7763. Leave your message. And uh, don't get cut off like Philip or Veronica and uh, call our, our voicemail mean. You know, it's not nice, guys. Just be nice to our voicemail and it'll be nice back to you. See, nobody is going to call in now that you say don't <laughs> write in. Everyone's going to write in and be like, I'm, they're just going to write in like oh. Old English or something and make it really hard. <laughs> 
Do you remember when the dinosaurs roared? Yeah. Rorth. Rorth? I think that would Rorth. be it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Jen, where can everybody find you online? Uh, you can find me at Jennifer underscore Lynn 89 and at the Bryce Dallas Howard Network at VDH Network website, BryceDHoward.com. Nice. And we yeah. do have um, those nice new um, pages on our website with the, um, the all the, the team members, the contributors here on the podcast. So if uh, anybody wants to find out more information, check out that page on our website. You can see Jen, picture of you is on there and uh, all your content and everything from our podcast and the website and, of course, your links as well. So, yeah, thank you so much again for joining me here on The Mailbag. And we'll, we'll do this again in June. Can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, anytime, you know, anytime, maybe in the next 30 days. It might happen again. <laughs> so, and it'll be the last one before our lives change. Send in all your questions about Stan right now. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Please, we need to know what are your thoughts on Stan. 732-825-7763, Jurassic Park Podcast. Nope, that's not it. Jurassic Park Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> Stan. Stan. Let us know. What's your th- thoughts on Stan the man? Uh, no, he's not a man. He's a dinosaur. Stan the... That doesn't rhyme as well. The, the dine, the Stan the di- dinosaur. I don't know. Stanosaur. Stanosaurus Rex. What do you? What's your thoughts on that, guys? We'd love to know. Thanks again, Jen. And we'll see you next oh time. Wait, wait. Stan wait. has its own dinosaur name like we do. Stanosaurus All Rex. Right, Phil. Out. Philip, come up with a dinosaur name for Stan. Wait, yeah. Or just, like, no, that's too confusing. We'll just call it Stan. Stan. All right. Stan out. Stan out. Out. Oh, hear fire, do not fire. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Boy, my head being right all the time. First up in the audio lab, we'll hear from Universal as they've been producing some really great behind the scenes content that will be ongoing to help promote Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And for now, we have parts one and two of the Jurassic Journals. Let's take a listen. So here we are at some airport in the middle of England, I believe, right? I'm with Justice and Daniela. Do you remember the first time you saw Jurassic Park, the original? Yes. We used to take family to road trips, and we would all, like, pile in the van and watch the Jurassic Park movies in order. Yeah, all my siblings would, like, like try to, like, look away, and I'd just be like, eat the guy, eat him. <laughs> Jurassic was one of the first... VHSs that I had. You know the scene where the T-Rex breaks through the top window of the car? I wanted to be the girl. She was did a great job. Also, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> when you get to meet Jeff Goldblum, will you say anything to him? I'll just will be like, sir, cool? I love you. <laughs> <Shake>. <laughs> I saw it in the movie theater. I saw it twice opening weekend. And it was really kind of like my movie that really formed and shaped me. I was about maybe 13 years old when it came out. That's Sorry. awesome. We gotta take you. Sorry, guys. Way more important. Thanks, Oh, you make a movie? We're making behind the scenes. So, I'm here with Vivian Baker, makeup artist to the stars. I'm her very favorite actor she's ever worked with. We met 
doing, the, I guess, the first, first Jurassic. Jurassic. Yeah. Now we're here on the sequel. So you're applying mud, but it's a combination of dirts and bloods and muds. Why don't you just throw mud in my face? Here, would you like for me to? No. But the reason you don't just throw mud in someone's face is because you might shoot one tiny piece of this million-piece puzzle one day. And the other piece, a month later, it's called continuity. And dirt, I think, is the hardest. Because he sweats, it breaks down in a really groovy way. So I like it to look real organic. Yeah. Very real. Very real. How did I get so lucky to be with you? When we did the first <laughs> Jurassic, you were so particular with my mustache, you trimmed it with a with scissors. And so we stuck together since then. Yeah. We got a rhythm going. We got a rhythm. We got to figure it figured out. <laughs> So there you have it, the first two installments of Jurassic Journals from behind the scenes of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, the promotion of this film is really in full swing at the moment, so it feels great to finally be getting some really fun insight from behind the scenes. Now, if you want to view these videos in full, find them both in our show notes. Next up in the Audio Lab, we hear a skit from Saturday Night Live this past weekend where Donald Glover played a lawyer defending Jurassic World and their dinosaurs eating the park guests. It's pretty hilarious, so let's check it out. One final question, Mr. Miller, and I know this has been a difficult experience to relive. It has. Do you feel that you are in any way at fault for your friends and family being eaten? Of course not. Uh, all I know is that I miss them. Hmm. All he knows is that he misses them. No further questions. You're a witness. Thank you, Your Honor. <laughs> all he knows is that he misses them. And that might be true. But that is not why we are here today. We are here to determine whether my client, Jurassic Park, the beautiful island full of real-life dinosaurs, is responsible for the deaths of Mr. Miller's friends and family when all the dinosaurs got out. And I say no. Uh, I say yes. <laughs> Your Honor, permission to treat the witness as hostile. No, man. Definitely not. So, Mr. Miller... Jurassic World shouldn't have to pay you money even though you agreed to waive all rights to sue the park. What? No, I did not agree to that. Exhibit A. Mr. Miller, could you please read the indemnification on the back of your VIP all-access Raptors pass? Uh, I, I can't read it. It's covered in my friend Scott's blood. Well, then move your friend Scott's blood around with your finger... Until you can read it. I mean, really, can you believe this, sister? Get out my face. Uh, it says Jurassic World is not responsible for lost or damaged items. Lost or damaged items, like your friends and family. Well, I don't consider my friends and family items. <laughs> but the law does. Let the record show that the law does not. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you this, Mr. Miller. Did you have a good time at Jurassic Park? Uh, no, it was the single worst experience of my life. <laughs> Please direct your attention to the monitor. This is an Instagram story posted by Mr. Miller on the date in question. What up, Instagram? We have Jurassic World right now! What up? All right, stop, 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 stop. 
Sure sounded like you were having fun to me. Good time, liar. Okay, request permission to show the rest of the video. <laughs> Your Honor, I do not see why that would be relevant in this case. Permission granted. That's him and his friends getting eaten by the dinosaur. I mean, I'm sorry, I know I'm not supposed to weigh in, but that's what it is. Specifically, a T-Rex grabbed my friend Rachel and swallowed her without biting like you would take a Tylenol. Objection, Your Honor. The T-Rex is a good guy now. It is consistently saving the day. Sustained! <laughs> Counselor, you can't sustain your own objection. Continue, sir. Yeah, uh, after that, a flying dinosaur, the long nose, landed on my brother, and he ate my brother's face. And then one of those big, new, genetically engineered ones that you guys made with, like, the giant claws. Yeah, the Psychosaurus, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that guy came in, and he ate the dinosaur that ate my brother. Hmm. He ate my brother. That guy came in. <laughs> And yet, Mr. Miller, may I remind you and the court that all dinosaurs at Jurassic Park are female. Your Honor, the witness has lied under oath. I declare a mistrial because Mr. Miller's credibility is extinct. <laughs> this court is adjourned. Well, the court is not adjourned because this was not a mistrial. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you will now begin deliberations to reach a verdict. We have uh, reached a verdict already. We all just kind of looked at each other and nodded. We find the defendant Jurassic World theme park guilty of charges. They got to learn. The dinosaurs always get out. <laughs> that they do. <laughs> that they do. I see. Well, I uh, guess that's lunch then. Is that a dinosaur egg? Well, yes. You think this is okay to eat? So, wow, that, that was pretty, pretty fantastic. I loved every second of it. I mean, we've, we've all thought about how that scene would go down in real life, right? So, maybe that's how it goes, but it'll probably be a, less, a little less comical in real life. I'm sure we'll find out soon, though, in Fallen Kingdom. Obviously, we've seen uh, a little bit of a courtroom scene there. But um, I think it's also becoming glaringly obvious that NBC Universal is pulling their strings, you know, with their NBC show, to get some Jurassic Park skits written in to help promote the upcoming film. Either way, it's hilarious. I don't care. Don't miss the full video in our show notes. No, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Is that good? You find it. Fantastic. Just the part they didn't like. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Hang on, this is gonna be bad. 
Here we are again in another spoiler entry for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. The following information comes from a set visit from Rooster Teeth's Eric Vespi. Now he had the chance to go behind the scenes and get a good look at this film. So of course the warning follows that there may be spoiler information in what I'm about to read. If you want to hear about some of the cool behind the scenes info, then of course stick around. But if you don't want to hear anything along those lines, then bow out now. Alright, you guys ready? Here's a little bit of information. I'm actually just going to be reading straight from his article. I have the link in our show notes, so if you want to check it out, go look at it. But here's a little information about the overgrown Main Street that we're going to be getting in this movie. What I can say is that this location doesn't play a huge part in the movie, but I was told that it serves a pretty big moment that sounds like it mirrors the original Jurassic Park. When our heroes return to the island, they find more dead dinosaurs than alive dinosaurs. Both carcasses, etc. I mean, the dinos have been left to their own devices, so naturally the meat-eating metasauruses have been eating the vegasauruses, and they don't tend to clean up after themselves. Here's a little bit of information about Ted Levine's character that we see in the film. He's uh, playing the role of Wheatley. He's a military dude on the ground to organize the extraction of the very specific species he's tasked to grab, and from the sounds of things, he's a little bit of a mix of Pete Postlethwaite's Roland Tembo and Peter Stormar's Dieter Stark from The Lost World in that he'd rather hunt the dinosaurs instead of saving them. But he doesn't seem to have Roland Tembo's respect for the animals. And we have a funny thing here is uh, in this article they make mention or he makes mention of how that scene with the with Blue on top of the vehicle came into play. It's quite funny because Jen and I were literally just talking about this in the mailbag, how maybe this came about. But here we have official confirmation from Eric Vespi. He says, I was told later that the idea to do that came from Mondo, of all places. You may remember their teaser poster print they did for Jurassic World, depicting a raptor on top of the ruins of the car. Apparently that image stuck with the creative team, and they couldn't find a place for it in the first film. So they wrote that into the sequel. So there there it is. There's your answer there. They wrote it into the sequel because it was an awesome poster and uh, they just didn't have a way to put it in the first film. And now we have it here in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He also goes on to mention that he did get to see a baby stegosaurus animatronic and blue head to toe. So that is very awesome. Here's what he had to say about the animatronics. The stego was a partial build. The body wasn't fully animatronic, as the scenes in it apparently calls for it to be fairly stationary. The head, though, was articulated and puppeted by two guys, one controlling the rig that made its head move around in a surprisingly big range, and the other using a remote control to make the eyes blink. We also have some information here from him about one of the locations in the film, so here's what he had to say. One of the locations in this huge natural wonder is a steep green hillside and the radio tower was down at the foot of that. They had rigged the whole area with gas pipes so they could pump out fire for a big lava sequence and they even dotted the landscape with those dino carcasses. From the tower location you could easily see for miles and they had a bunch dotting the landscape and like the Sego, these aren't just bones but fully detailed decomposing carcasses. So yeah, I mean this movie sounds like it's going to be very awesome. I am I'm getting super pumped about this stuff and finding out about all these little details, things that we're not exactly seeing from the trailers is very, very promising. And I am looking so forward to seeing 
uh, what exactly this movie brings. It sounds really, really hopeful. And, um, you know, it's a tough position to be in because, of course, you want to know all this information. You want to find out every detail you possibly can. But you also don't want to be spoiled. So I I don't think I'm too spoiled yet. I feel like I do kind of know the majority of the movie uh, as a whole, I guess, but um, not these little details. But we're finding out these little details from stuff like CinemaCon or set visits and interviews with the cast and crew. So it is really interesting to find out all this information. And I hope you guys are enjoying all this as I relay it to you. And uh, if you didn't want to hear this, I hope you shut it off or you didn't listen to, to what I'm doing now because, well, you just had a, a few things spoiled for you. So hopefully you're, you're all okay with that. I, I don't know. But for now, head to our show notes to find that awesome article written up by uh, Rooster Teeth's Eric Vespi. It's great. I highly suggest you go check it out. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast and, of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 149th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Jen for joining me this May in the Jurassic Mailbag segment. As always, we had an absolute blast recording together, and I hope you all enjoyed it just as much as we did. And uh, it's been a fun ride, and we're almost to Fallen Kingdom. June Mailbag is coming up, so don't forget to start calling in for the next Jurassic Mailbag. Call our voicemail line at 732-825-7763. Send us a voice memo to our email, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or head to our contact page at JurassicParkPodcast.com to fill out our contact form. Thank you again so much to everybody who called or wrote in this month. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at JurassicParkPod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash JurassicParkPodcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you could submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.